Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod. The podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at Mike C Tennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... Hey everybody, Mike here. Thanks for joining us on the Behind the Racket pod. This is an episode that I recorded while I was in Orlando about three weeks ago. It's an episode with 26-year-old Portuguese player Gonzalo Oliveira. He's a guy who has hit, right now he's at 296 in the world on the single side, has cracked into the top 200 in singles at 194. On the double side, a ton of success. 98 in the world right now, his career high at 77. So one of these guys who has the ability to play up at some of the doubles events, but is really trying to make that big push on the singles side. Noah was back at home this week, so it's just me and Gonzalo this week. He will be back next week, will the little fella. Thanks for all of the support over the last couple of weeks. We've had a good couple of interviews, and hopefully we'll be able to continue that over the next couple of weeks as we head now towards the U.S. Open at the end of August and into September. Really excited about that, about the possibility as well of seeing Noah Rubin back out on a tennis court. We'll talk to him about that next week. So here is my interview with Gonzalo Oliveira. We had an opportunity to chat um, a little bit in in Little Rock, and I, I don't I don't really know you uh, all that well, but you seem like you are um, a guy who's willing to talk. So I said podcast. Yeah. Obviously, uh, seems like a, a very good fit. Um, you're in this kind of weird spot, right, where you are top 100 in doubles. Obviously, the singles ranking is not where you'd like it to be right now. How are you managing? your life, your career, as you're just kind of kind of floating through and having some good single success, but the doubles has obviously gotten you to a different level. How do you handle that? Well, um, yeah, I had to, I had a couple offers in the beginning of the year to play Australia mm. and, uh, and focus on the double side of things, but I wasn't really ready yet at 25 years old at the time, I'm 26 now, I just turned 26. To, to decide to go full on doubles. Yeah. Still feel I have a lot of years to, to make that decision. And uh, well, I focus on my singles. I played at Delray, started the year in Delray with singles. 
and uh, played a couple of challenges in Europe before playing the ATP events in South America, which was, was good. Yeah, but basically still focusing on my singles, still want to get in the qualities of slams in singles and, and try to maintain my doubles as, as best as I can playing challenges, which is really tough to break in the top 75 range of, yeah. of things in, in doubles. It's a pretty crazy lifestyle frankly, that, that doubles grind uh, when you're, you're, you're going to be seated every single week. Um, and then if you have a disappointing result on the single side, I, I know you have to then get revved back up um, pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, uh, doubles is uh, always going to be there. Yeah. That's a good thing. So you, the weeks are always going to feel like they're long, which is also something that keeps you competitive and doesn't give you that much stress when you lose a couple weeks first round singles and you, well, basically only have your singles. Yeah. So doubles is there to help out, also improve my serve, improve my returns, practice on my volleys, which is always good for singles. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a good way to practice and, and keep match written, which is something that if you stay, start losing first rounds in singles, you, you lose quite, quite fast. You seem like you're somebody who's um, pretty engaged um, in terms of what's happening ATP Tour big picture, um, just th things that have been happening on tour. Um, and, I, and I'm wondering what, what that's been like for you over the last couple of years. Noah and I have obviously been talking about it quite a bit. Um, yeah. how, how frustrated are you? Are you trying to stay out? Where, where are you at with that? Uh, I was uh, very active when they started the transition tour, when they announced okay. that, yeah. that, that, that phase that they were creating. I was 190 at the time in singles, and I was off against it. I was mm. just saying that it was total garbage. We actually, in the Challenger in Portugal, in Braga, two weeks before the French Open qualies in 2018, we, we players made a meeting in the hotel, in the hotel, official hotel, about, well, asking players basically to sign a paper and to send it to ATP. Mm. And, uh, well, a couple, one of those players already retired, one of those guys that was in head of, head of that, and one of them is still active in top 150. So, I mean, basically all the players of that tournament signed the paper, and we, we were doing that every week for about three months. On every challenge that one of us three would be playing at, we will put a paper, a piece of paper on the supervisor's desk and ask players that haven't signed to sign it. Mm. Happily, that, that is over. Yeah. But also the changes that they made, reducing the points at future level, is making it very tough for younger players that are coming from countries that don't have the wall cards, that don't have the support to break through. And uh, I truly believe that that is really unfair for, for the future generations of, of players and, and for the creation of the, well, the fairness of, of tennis. What's it been like for you uh, being from Portugal? I guess I don't know too much about the federation there in terms of the opportunities that you've had in your career. Well, I haven't had any wall cards in my career. I had a to I've been playing on tour for 11 years and I have a total of five wall cards mm. to my name. There's been five challengers or four challengers this year in Portugal. I only needed a wall card for one of them. Didn't get it. So you see, I'm one of those players that has to go for the grind of, yeah. of things and, and get get there by his own way and by playing a lot of matches. So how frustrating has that been or do you feel it's also made you tougher? How have you kind of coped with that side? I mean, I'm already 26. I've seen a lot of a lot of things come and go. In the beginning it was harder to accept when I was 16, 17, 18 and I had to go through all the qualities of futures and seeing other guys maybe not as good as me get the wall cards and being straight in main draw yeah. and not having to play those 125, 128 qualities or 
or those kind of things that is a true grind because no matter how good you are, if you're going to play four matches before the, the main draw starts, you're gonna, that takes a toll on your body. Right. So, yeah, I had to go through a couple of those. Happily, it took, a couple, it took longer, of course, so that, that didn't make me one of the next gen so fast. I broke through when I was 18, 19, started playing challengers, eight, uh, 20. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, I'm happy that I can at least say that I've been doing stuff my own way and, and everything that I've earned and done is thanks to my effort and my persistency and, well, me and my dad that we work together and he's my coach. So it's, it's, it's good to, to know that you're there because you did your own stuff. That, that being said, do you think there is a, a, a path to make sure that there is that kind of a quality of opportunity for, for 18, 19 year olds? Uh, at the moment, I don't see it. Okay. I don't see it at the moment. I don't see it because I mean, you just look at it. If you win a, 20, a 15, you get 10 points. You can win as many as you want. You're not going to break through the top 500 if you only win 15s. Yeah. So there is no pathway at the moment for anybody that, in my case, if I would be starting now, I would have a gap there, which I will actually need wall cards. And if I don't get those wall cards, I'll never break through. So it's, uh, it's unfair at the moment, tennis. So how do we, how do we fix that? Well, I believe that they should increase the points, not okay. to what it was, because yeah. also what it was was a little bit too much. Right. But uh, at a, to a point where if somebody plays good, they can go through. I'm also in favor of the 48 draw and the challengers. Okay. Take away the qualities, because the qualities is just a grind. And for players to, to make a tour, for example, there's a couple of guys here that played qualities last week in Little Rock and played qualities this week, and just have two nights of hotel paid, no prize money. It's just... You're spending just too much money. You can't yeah. call yourself professional at that point. So I just take away the, the qualities, put it at 48, have players have five nights hotel, which helps a lot, and uh, and start from there. Yeah, it was, it was interesting because I was kind of eavesdropping on your debate that you were having was it with Roberto yeah. uh, on, on Saturday night in one of our extended rain delays there. <laughs> and you guys, uh, we were talking just about the idea of doubles starting on Monday. And that's, yeah. that's kind of where I was just listening to you a little bit more. Just uh, can you explain what it's like uh, for doubles players specifically in terms of the housing? Because I don't think people, I, you know, I'm, I'm included, who have a great understanding of that. I mean, doubles players that just play doubles, it's not my case because yeah, I get right. the singles hospitality. Right. But players that just play doubles, they get, well, they get $100 or $90 depending on the tax on which state we play in the States <laughs> if they lose first round, which is n nothing. Right. And they get two nights of hotel paid, which out of seven, it's nothing also. Right. So if we put that, what Red was saying is if we put it on Monday, start those on Monday, I'll say that, yeah, that's, if you give that to ATP, they're going to they're gonna take it because those players get the hospitality starting Sunday and they have three nights of hotel because doubles is playing on Tuesday. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's just points that players uh, that play singles, it's better for them, of course, but uh, you have to put it fair for everybody and, and let everybody have the, the, the nights of hotels that everybody deserves. And I don't think people really have as good of an understanding of how crucial that hospitality is. Oh, it's it's really crucial because, for example, I can tell you here, the guys that lost in qualities, they're not staying in this hotel. Yeah. They're staying next door, which is half the price. And, uh, well, yeah, and they're lucky that to find that so close to here. If they don't find it, I mean, we're paying $200 a night here. So Right. And we're getting first round doubles was 160 So yeah. you're looking at it already at 40, 40, 40. <laughs> $40 loss on the prize money if you stay here just one night. Right. So, yeah, it's important. The hospitality is very important. 
ATP is doing a good job of putting five nights for singles, three nights for doubles. Yeah. But it's just, uh, it would be nicer if it was a 48 draw and everybody have that. Is it something that you want to do big picture, long term, to get more involved in the political side of, of tennis? I was, I was more active a couple of years back okay. before COVID. Yeah. With COVID and all the meetings that I've been a part of from ATP, <laughs> yeah. I just start giving up on it. <laughs> really? It's just, it's a hole without, without any escape. Tell me about your, your early upbringing. You mentioned, obviously, your dad is, is your coach. I assume that meant you, you were kind of with a, a racket in your hand at the very young age. Yeah, I mean, I was actually playing tennis. How I got into it is that I was really young. I was like two or three years old, and we had a dog. Mm. And I would throw the ball against the wall and just keep playing against the wall with the ball, and the dog would get the ball, give it to me, and I'll <laughs> hit it with the racket. And then my dad, I started getting older. The dog would stay in the middle. And I'll hit the ball with my dad, and the dog will run around, and I'll do that for hours, really? hours on end. But yeah, my dad's been a good part of it, and it's been fun traveling the world and, and seeing places with him. It's, a, it's a, a, often a difficult relationship, uh, that idea of father and coach. How have you guys maintained it so that he's a dad at some times and also a coach at other times? Uh, we, we did a good job of it. We keep things separate. And uh, whatever is said on court or in the heat of the moment is said and it's done. It doesn't go to the house or it doesn't go to the hotel room or wherever really? we are at the moment. And uh, we have a great relationship. He's my best friend and I love, I love him to death. So, yeah, it's, can't really argue more than five minutes together. Yeah, how's, I mean, ha have there been some moments, though? I mean, especially when you're like 16 and maybe... Uh, <laughs> it's, it gets tense mostly when it's something new. Mm. When it's something new and I don't quite understand it. But when I start to understand, then, uh, then I actually say thank you. Really? Yeah. And so uh, what's, what's it been like? Has he, has, how's COVID affected him and his ability to travel? Well, since COVID, I've been, when I play in Portugal or nearby where we can go by car, he comes up and, and, joins, okay. and joins and coaches me there. But when it's trips like this, at the moment, he doesn't have the vaccine. Okay. He doesn't want to take it right now. So whenever, whenever he has that and, and COVID kind of sees where it goes. Yeah start traveling again okay so what what's how how have you since the restart how have you scheduled how have you built a schedule so that you've been able to get into the tournaments you want and and also just kind of have that comfort and freedom to be able to play and play freely well at the at the beginning i actually started the first week i went to prague for the challengers and i was one out of main draw i remember <laughs> and uh, i said to myself okay i'm one out it's wednesday yeah it was a 48 draw. Somebody's going to pull out. And so I had a straight flight on Saturday <laughs> to Prague from Lisbon. And I said, okay, I'm taking the straight flight. I'm not going to yeah. go to Paris or Amsterdam before for this first trip. I just want to go straight. Yeah. Ended up not getting in singles, just playing doubles that week. Yeah. And then the second week played uh, played qualies, passed qualies, beat Jaziri, and mm -hmm. had a good match against Wawrinka. Okay. It was always fun to play. It's decent. And, uh, it's a, it's yeah, a tough it draw. It was good. <laughs> Ended up that week making finals of doubles. Yeah. So I couldn't make qualies of the next week. So just played doubles the next week. Right. And then the next, the week after that, got to play singles qualies, lost. So it was a li at the start, it was uh, kind of confusing because, uh, well, it was one week doubles, one week singles, one week yeah. doubles, one week singles. After that, I didn't feel so comfortable actually okay. with it because it was like bubbles and. Uh, 
players were really, really strange. Nobody yeah. really wanted to talk to each other. So it was basically practice, go to your room, have dinner, lunch in your room, and stay in your room. Yeah. So that, I got tired of that. Then I played two more challenges, well, three more challenges. Played two in Portugal, one in Marbella. Okay. But just events that were like five, six weeks in between of each other. So not that didn't get that competitive rhythm that I want yeah. or anybody wishes. So, yeah, and then started the year with one tournament in Del Rey, five weeks off, one tournament, four weeks off, two tournaments. So just now I'm starting to get in the rhythm. I played two weeks in, in Portugal before Little Rock, yeah. playing these two events here, and next, and tomorrow I'm going to fly out to Prostojov to play one in, in Czech Republic. So just now I'm starting to get to the competitive feeling, keep tournaments, keep a normal schedule. I got vaccinated last week, so yeah. that's going to help. We saw yeah, <laughs> so that's going to help also. So, yeah, just uh, hopefully I can make a schedule and that way my ranking doesn't have to suffer so much also. You seem also like you're a very social person. Like you kind of need those interactions. Am I right about that? I mean, uh, I lived in a hotel for 10 years of my life from 5 to 15 in an all-inclusive in the Dominican Republic. So I'm used to being around people. Okay. So, yeah. Tell me about that. Why, why was that? Oh, I was, I was living in Miami with my dad. Okay. And uh, we went on vacation there for 15 days. And at the end of the 15 days, since I was homeschooled, my dad's like, do you want to stay a little bit longer? He, I said, yeah, of course I want to stay. <laughs> and he never asked me the question again. Really? So then we, we ended up staying year after year after year. So that was fun. Okay. I, I, I'm going to need a lot more information <laughs> about this because this sounds... I, like, I'm thinking about my six-year-old right yeah. now who would just be like, okay, this is the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, it was, it was really, really fun. Really fun experience. And uh, I think I had the best childhood there imaginable. So what... I have so many questions. So, so how, would, how did you have the, the idea of schooling, the, that, that kind of stability of, of learning? Because, again, like, I know English is not your first language, so you've obviously it picked It actually that. is. Is it really? Yeah, it actually is. English is my first language. Okay. So, like, how, how did you have that stable upbringing that, that kind of has that, I don't know, normal childhood? I mean, it wasn't normal, but it was great. Okay. I mean, I was doing homeschool. I had my own hours. I, I didn't take vacations. Okay. So that way my schedule could be easier yeah. during the weekdays. I studied every day, like two, three hours a day. Didn't really hurt. If yeah. I skipped one hour or two hours, I'll just take it on another, another day. So that was fun. I Like, schedule-wise, I could do my school period very, very stress-free. Okay. And uh, I had fun. I mean, I could go do windsurfing, kayaking. Since it was an all-inclusive, everything was included. So you could do whatever you want. Uh, and I played tennis, yeah. horses on the beach, archery. All right, I'm, I'm going to go intrusive here. How, <laughs> how did your father afford that? Because it seems like it would be... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty lucky in that aspect. So okay. I was, uh, my dad has the possibility and the means to be able to do whatever he wants. Yeah, because that's... How do you avoid in a situation like that being spoiled to a point where you don't put in the work? I mean, I really love tennis. Yeah. I mean, if you ask any guy on tour who, who was practicing the most, who loves to practice, it's, yeah. it's always me. I'm always up there to practice any time of the day. Maybe not here in Florida and Orlando because <laughs> it's so hot and so it is. humid. <laughs> it just kills you. But in any other situation, I'll be practicing two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. And when I was little, like 15, 16, 17, 18, starting on tour, I'll be all day on the court if I needed to. Do you still have that same passion and love even though you've been grinding as much? 
I'll say I love it. I wouldn't say I'll I'll be enjoying eight hours on the court. Okay. Because I also don't need. I know I don't need that anymore. Like I I know what I need to do. I need three four hours of good tennis. Yeah. And uh, and practice what I need to practice. If I'm doing off season, if I'm at home, then I'll put in six hours a day. But if I'm on tour on the tournaments, I, I don't I don't need that anymore. I think you know obviously that the the idea of mental health has been. A big question, obviously, with Naomi Osaka. Um, Noah talks about it a lot. It's been very hard for him. When he loses, he feels like that's everything. Um, and I, I know he feels like he suffers in those moments. How have you avoided that being a, a question mark for yourself? I mean, if I understand that for some people, when they lose, they get really upset and really, really sad and, and that. But normally when I lose, I always feel so... So happy that I got the chance to play. If I give my best, it's it's great. Like I give it all out there. I can't do any more than I did. Try my best. If mm. I lost, well, that's that's too bad. There's gonna be another tournament next week. Yeah. And uh, I feel really lucky to be able to play tennis and do this as a living and get to travel the world. I mean, nowadays no one can travel and except us, pretty much. And right. whoever's doing it, a sport event or 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 politician, which those people are not nice, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, no, but it it is really we're really lucky. Like, and uh, I always wanted to do this, so I'm just enjoying the time I have to do it. I know I'm not going to be able to do this when I'm 50, so I'm yeah. just going to enjoy the moment. It's really interesting to hear that because I, you know, I, I I don't know how well you know Noah at all. Is is behind the racket stuff? Yeah, I uh, know him personally a little. Okay, it's 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 been eye opening for me to see how many people really do struggle. Uh, just this idea of the solitary lifestyle right and you you're providing an example of how you can make it just a little bit brighter just this idea of getting out there and meeting people and and using it as an opportunity i I understand the the lonely part of it yeah because but i never felt that because i was always traveling with my dad Mm. so i had always like my best friend with me yeah always having fun and and going out and visiting stuff wherever we were playing yeah so it was more like a long vacation (laughs) than anything else now that i'm doing it alone and i put i completely understand how someone could feel lonely yeah at tournaments so how do how have you combated it what have you done i mean i i'm lucky that i since i play doubles i always have a doubles partner and mm. we always can do some jokes and i always <laughs> like playing doubles with other other players that yeah. i have a good relationship with i'm lucky that i play with so many that i have a good relationship with a lot of people on tour yeah so yeah just joke around have fun and, and stay positive basically you've played the last couple of weeks with dennis novikov yeah. Uh, won a title with him in Dallas 2020. He is. Um, he also has a dad who's been his coach for for a long, long time. I also don't know if I f- think of you two as alike at all. Uh, you seem like you're very different personalities, and it's been uh, interesting to watch we you are, two. We are different people. That's that's for sure. But we get along great. We we argue. We fight. We. <laughs> We laugh, and actually, our when we get in arguments is when we laugh the most to mm. each other. So, yeah, no, we we have fun in the court. We're not a, we're such good friends that in the court, if somebody does something wrong, we're not afraid to call him out on it. Yeah. But that's that's the good thing about playing with Dennis is that we're really honest with each other, and we we know that we're gonna try our best. And today was unlucky. We didn't we didn't convert on the break points, same as last week. We had six yeah. break points in the semis, didn't convert any of them. But yeah, we're. 
we're good friends and I hope we can play a lot in the future together. And with, without getting into it too much, you guys were debating politics last week. Yeah. Uh, again, I, we, we don't need to go deep <laughs> into it. Um, but I, I, found, I was fascinated by it. And again, I, I found you to have a more worldly view, I think. I, I would be probably the best way to say it. Um, and, and I guess, how often are you able to have those types of conversations with other players? Because my experience has been that those are rather limited. No, tennis players, you don't go into those kind of conversations with anybody, and yeah. not everybody, only people that you have a total confidence with. And we were walking to the club in Little Rock, and just to make the walk shorter, <laughs> we started arguing, you know, like like little brothers. So, yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun to talk with him, and, yeah, it's like I said, it's always fun and always fun to be around Dennis, and, and we always have a good good laugh, and hopefully he's coming with me to process up. He's going to decide tonight. <laughs> So hopefully he's coming with. You know, you realize you, you got into a seven and a half hour long match that day. And then every rain delay, when you would try to go and get into your good headspace, he'd come up and, and pester me about the politics. <laughs> so I was on the receiving end for those seven and a half hours as I'm exhausted too. And I'm just like, yeah, I, that, I, that I, I can't a, right that now. That was a really long day. That how, day did you, how did you deal with that? I, the first rain delay was long. Yeah. And that was easy because I fell asleep in the players' lounge yeah. until I got hungry. Then I woke up. <laughs> and then, yeah, but then the other ones were, were tougher. And also I felt like every rain delay, it, it took me some time for me to get, get in the rhythm and get in, in the match. I always ended up coming from the rain delay and losing like the first three, four points. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was not ideal. But other than that, it was, I mean, it was a beautiful tournament, Little Rock. I really yeah. enjoyed it a lot. People were so nice to the players and really helpful in every kind of way they possibly could be. And uh, it's one of those tournaments that it's it's tough to get there, but once you get there, it's really nice and you want to come back. It was great to have fans. Yeah, and it was great to have people there around. It was really normal. Not like this week. This week, it's just 10 people and a lot of mosquitoes at the club. <laughs> and flies. Yes. There are a lot of flies, and so, I don't understand. Yeah, it's, just, it's the heat and the humidity for yeah. sure. It's been miserable for me. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm losing 10 pounds every day. All right, I try to, I try to end the podcast with this. What, what questions do you have for me? You have anything for me? Because you seem like a very inquisitive guy. Oh Mike, how many? How, how much time do we have left? It's, I, I, I don't have anything until 10 a.m. in the morning. I mean, I, like, I'm fine. Well, I'll have to end it before because my flight's at seven. Yeah, that's kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, like I told you before, off, offset and off air, is that that we. I really appreciate you on, on the live stream, commentating the matches. It's so much more fun. And I really hope, like, that's one of the things I, I would really appreciate if ATP would have done is just give you the opportunity and other people like you to commentate matches on the Challenger Tour, make it much more fun for, fun for people to view the tennis on the Challenger Tour because one thing is to watch the tennis with somebody commentating, another thing is to watch the tennis with a live stream and listening to a referee go 15-30. Right. Out. 40-15, so yeah, I hope that would be one of the things that they do because you're good at it and it's, that. it's fun to, to hear you speak. Why, why don't you do it someday? Seriously. Me? You, you want to do some commentary later? Maybe one day. You never say no, but let's, let's just keep it. <laughs> give me the racket for a couple more years and after that you can I'm not trying to mic. take it out of your hands. You can, you can give me the mic, but no, it's <laughs> something that I would, I, would, I would like to do for sure. I mean... Uh, I would like to stay around tennis in some way. Yeah. Maybe not coaching, maybe not traveling so many weeks. Yeah. 
that's one thing that I learned with COVID is that how nice my home is. Yeah. And how nice it is to be home. Yeah. So, so yeah, but I would like to stay around somehow, some way. Well, I appreciate the time, and, and more importantly, it was it was nice to get to chat with you last week and actually have some nice, decent, intellectual conversations. Uh, I never get that from Noah. He's terrible conversationalist, <laughs> so I, I appreciated the opportunity with you. I'm sure Noah's pretty good at it also. Some days. Depends <laughs> on the day. But I appreciate it, and uh, good luck next week. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. Thanks. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.